Welcome to the Skill Welcome Stadium, the skill. a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium Podcast, and today I am excited to have Joanne Greeley. Joanne is a Red Seal construction electrician. She currently works on outreach events, and she's a coordinator of the Office to Advance Women Apprentices. She grew up in Topsail, Canada. She went to college at North Atlantic, and she started her career in St. John's. One of the significant accomplishments she's had is receiving a Make It Happen Award, which was just appointed to the Canadian Apprentice Board. And her current job is she's an advocate for women in the trades, and she's been doing this for 15 years. She also volunteers for the Office of Advanced Women Apprentices, and she likes to do kayaking and hiking. That's something she likes to do in her free time. So, Joanne, welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Thanks so much for inviting me here today. I'm doing great. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So kayaking and hiking, how did you get into that? I'm just kind of curious. Is that something you've done all along just growing up? Well, I live on a beautiful island called Newfoundland, which is out in the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, For those not here with our little island, we are northeast of New York City, um, and we're, we're a big island, actually. And I live right next to the ocean. So we just spend a lot of time out on the water. And we have a small population and lots of really beautiful untouched trails. So we spend a lot of time hiking through the woods. Excellent, excellent. And I must confess, I am actually Canadian, too. I grew up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So I should be more familiar with with uh, I looked at the NL and that threw me off for a second. I said, "Oh, Newfoundland." <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that. I haven't been out east much. Um, I've been out west, right. but unfortunately, I haven't. I didn't make it out east. The NL is actually Newfoundland and Labrador. So yes. where where Newfoundland is the island and Labrador is a pro is part of our province that's on the mainland of Canada. Yes, yes. So yeah. Tell me, you're a business owner and you're an advocate for the skilled trades. How do you balance both of those roles? Well, it's been very interesting. I'm involved in a lot of different things. When I got into skilled trades about 15 years ago, I worked and did a lot of commercial type of work. And then I realized before I got my red seal that I didn't have any residential experience. And I knew that if I ever wanted to start a business, that residential work was something that people were always looking for electricians to come in and fix things in their home. Mm. So I took a little bit of a pay cut because residential pays a little bit less than commercial and worked with an amazing company. And I learned so much from them. So I worked for them for about a year before I wrote my red seal. And when I finished, I've worked on a lot of commercial jobs, bigger jobs that we've had here in Newfoundland, Labrador. I've built oil rigs. We have a big nickel plant that they've created in a mine. And I knew that when those jobs dried up, I needed to be able to survive on my own. Mm. So that's really why I started my own business is because I knew that at the end of the day, I could just have my own small business, you know, one employee and be able to support myself. Excellent. Was it a challenge to make a transition, you know, as an employee to your own business owner? Because obviously 
there is a big difference. What were some of the challenges in making that transition? Yeah, I always like that people think when you own your own business, you get to slack off all the time and that you somehow have all this extra time on your hands. But in actual fact, owning your own business means that 8 o'clock at night, you're sending out invoices or you're sending a reminder that you're coming by the next day. I'm always continually amazed at how many people will call you on a Sunday night to look for electrical advice. So there is a real different situation. And I just found that I had to really put in some hard barriers for myself and boundaries to say that, you know, after 6.30, I don't answer my work phone. I don't answer my work phone on weekends. I only worked when I had my business. I only worked daytime hours throughout the week, unless it was something very special. That was really important to me to keep the balance of home life and be able to actually still run a business. But yeah, owning your own business is a completely different hustle than just showing up on a job site. That's for sure. I agree. I agree. And you know, you get paid last too. (laughs) Yeah, you don't always get as paid as much as people think you do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So talk to me about, you know, when you first started as an electrician, did you have a mentor or someone who had an impact on you? So my dad is an electrician, so I grew up uh, around that, and um, we had, it was three girls. My my younger brother didn't come along quite a little bit later, so we didn't really realize that girls didn't build things and girls didn't do electrical work on weekends and things like that, because my dad always took us out on job sites, and he always had us doing things around the house. So that side of it, certainly from the family, was we just thought everybody did that. Both my sisters and my brother today, we all have our own tool bags. My one sister is a really great carpenter. My brother built fences out west in Vancouver. So we're a super hands-on kind of family. We can we can do almost anything. But I would say, like, over the years, I've always worked with different men that I consider to be mentors that I still get in touch with. I just phoned up my old boss the other day. I'm working on a little project. And I phoned him up for advice and he said, why are you calling me? And I said, well, I'm just calling you so you can tell me I'm doing it right. And he goes, yeah, you're doing it right. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) Always good to have another opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think that's one of the great things about apprenticeship and about being in skilled trades is, you know, you're never alone. And I always have, like, depending on what I'm working on, I always have people I can call up and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Am I going about it the right way? Or do you have a quick fix? Or, you know, sometimes if you're completely stumped, it's like, what do I do next? So I, I'm really grateful for that, that I have some, um, some great men and women that I'm able to use in that way. Excellent. And you know something you said you called? One of the things I think that, and I don't know if you, you would agree with this, but with technology, you now can maybe shoot a video. I didn't grow up with cell phones. I don't know if you grew up with cell phones, but I didn't grow up with cell phones and all this technology. And so now you could maybe shoot a video. And I think that that, you know, that visual could probably help. I don't know if you're, if you have seen where you can leverage that. Uh, What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't grow up with cell phones either. I'm still amazed by it. I, you know, I get, I get a new cell phone and I have to get a kid to show me how to use the darn thing. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Absolutely. I mean, like you said, I mean, we've spent so much time drawing diagrams over the years. Now you just take a picture of it, send it to someone in a message. 
they send it back to you three seconds later and they've actually doodled on it and drawn pictures for you and shown you what you need to do. So, I mean, that's, that's just amazing to me. Yeah. I think coming up in a generation, like I came up in a generation where we had to be a little bit more hands-on. We didn't, we weren't really able to rely on technology. And so I think our generation that grew up like that has the best of both worlds because we know how to interact with people. We know how to build those relationships and the technology just makes it a little easier, I think. Yeah, I agree. Can you tell me, you know, we've had the pandemic and that's global. So I'm sure it's affected (laughs) you guys. How has that affected your recruiting, your leadership workshops and training sessions? Where I live, I'm so, so fortunate. We actually have what is called the Atlantic Bubble. And you being from Montreal will know the provinces, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, and Newfoundland, Labrador. We're in a bubble, just these provinces together. So nobody can come here unless they have an exemption. You actually have to get something in writing from the government uh, to come here. You either have to be a resident or, you know, you're a rotational worker to leave and come back. I mean, it has affected us. I, we were in, right in the middle of some training for leadership for women in STEM. And, of course, that had all had to be canceled, uh, which was super disappointing because we were really on a roll. Now, they brought a lot of it on to computerized and doing webinars and things like that. But we've managed to tick along. And I just think that we've really relied on each other. While we may not be... And I don't want to say we're not going forward at this point. We're also not going backwards. I think we're kind of right in the middle of just trying to keep afloat. We're not trying to, you know, take over the world or anything like that. But we're just, we're in a a place right now where we're just happy to be keeping on a steady path. It's very hard to watch other places in the world that are having such difficult times. It's, um, it's, our heart goes out to them. It's, It's very, very sad. Definitely. I also would imagine that with that bubble, you're probably not seeing, obviously people are catching it, but it's probably not as rampant. It's probably a little bit more under control, I would imagine. Oh my gosh. We have six cases right now in our province. Wow. That's amazing. That is phenomenal. Six for the whole province. The U.S. Yeah. could take some lessons from you guys, from, from, uh, from what you're doing. <laughs> I can tell you. So, yeah, That's I, another I, podcast. Yeah, that is a whole completely different podcast. Uh, but just when you said that number six, it just, it just blew me away because I wasn't even aware that there was an Atlantic bubble. Fortunately, when you're in the States, and I'm now learning that you don't care a lot about the news that's going on in Canada, particularly in the Atlantic provinces. I hear, you know, I'll hear about what's going on in Montreal and Toronto because, you know, those are cities where I have, where I know people, but generally I'm not hearing a lot about what's going on there. So that's good to hear that it's only six cases. Where's the safest place in North America? Wow, that is amazing. That's a great honor to have. <laughs> but you know, it's processes. If you if you create processes and systems in place and, and you follow those guidelines, then those are the results you're going to get. It's not rocket science. That's right. Yeah. So where do you focus your energy to attract people to your apprentice programs? So my position, I work for the Office to Advance Women Apprentices now, and uh, I'm super excited to have this uh, new position. It's an event and outreach coordinator. And uh, part of our plan was to go out to high schools and talk to high school students, mostly young women, about uh, careers in skill trades. Mm -hmm. And our plan was to talk to them about 
skilled trades as a first career choice. Because what happens with a lot of women is they go and do other things. They leave, they go to university, they really don't like university. And then, you know, a lot of them start later in their late 20s or early 30s. So we're hoping to really get more women involved at a younger age, like right out of high school. Yes. Uh, Of course, that's that's been stymied because of the pandemic. So now what we'll be doing is we'll be doing those same things, but we'll be doing them over Zoom calls. Yes. We'll Zoom into a classroom and hopefully have a classroom uh, full of young women and uh, talk to them about what a skilled trade is. I'll interview a tradeswoman who, say, is a carpenter or a millwright. We'll talk about what that trade is. And then we're hoping to do that as a series. So say week one, we talk to a carpenter. Week two, we talk to a welder. Week three, we talk to a millwright. So the person would really get a good overview of what different trades are. And, you know, we talk a lot about where we are on an island, that you need to pick a trade that will serve you in this place. It's no good to be a crane operator in a small community on the coast of Newfoundland where they're not building skyscrapers. That's true. That's the trade you want, then you're going to have to travel for that. So I always suggest, especially for people who live in smaller communities, Try the trade of like plumber, carpenter, electrician, because you will always have work your whole life. No, that makes your sense. Your whole life. There'll always be someone looking for you. That makes sense. And Joanne, an- another thing a lot of young people don't understand is that these apprentice programs, they're paying you while you're learning. So they're paying you to learn. Based on my research, and I've, I've, this is not, you're not the first person I've spoken to about this. The pay tends to be a lot better than what people would typically make in a retail or hospitality workplace. You know, if they went and worked in a restaurant or in a retail store, even as an apprentice. Am I correct in saying that even for where you are? Absolutely. The thing is, is not only are you paid more, but as you go through your apprenticeship, every time you go back to school and complete another block, you get a pay raise. It's not that you might get a pay raise. You're definitely getting a pay raise. So it's guaranteed increase in pay, which I think is phenomenal. I mean, lots of people work in jobs that they could be in the same job for two or three years and never get a pay raise. That's true. Whereas if you're in a practice, it's earn while you learn. You know, you're working, you're working with your hands, you're learning your trade. You go back to school, you come out of school, you go to your employer and you say, I'm a third year electrician now. Excellent. What's my rate? Mm-hmm. So I, I just think the program itself is phenomenal, uh, the way that it does bring people up through it. I mean, if you're willing to stick with it, there's all kinds of opportunities. And Joanne, another benefit, and tell me if you've experienced this when you were growing up, your dad taught your brother and your sister how to work around the skills. I would imagine if you have something that needs to be fixed in your home, both you and your sister and your brother can fix that, which means you're saving money. Am I correct in saying that, Joanne? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Uh, my sister moved into a new house a couple of years ago, and we were there with her her family or with our family and her in-laws. And she said, oh, you know, I want to put that shelf up there on that wall. And we were, uh, my other sister and I were like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll put that up. And, you know, before you knew it, there was drills and, and everything, you know, hammers, everything happening. And 10 minutes later, the, the shelf was up, and her in-laws were just in complete awe. They couldn't believe that. Two women just put that up and put it, and we were kind of like, "Well, what else would you do?" Exactly. Like, oh, we would have to, call, you know, we'd have to call somebody to fix the light fixture. Or we would have to call somebody to do a simple plumbing task. 
And I guess because we grew up around it so much, we're just like, oh, well, if you do it yourself, if you don't know how to do it, you'll learn how to do it. If you already know, I mean, it's five minutes to do some of that job. (laughs) Definitely. Now, I know in the United States, we have a big skills gap, and I'm sure it's the same in Canada. Yeah. How do we change that? Well, there's a couple of things that's going on within construction industry. And one of them is is that we are going to have a skill shortage. We know that's going to happen. In the next five years, that's what's going to happen. So one of the things we have to look at is why are people not getting into the skills? And that's guys and gals. That's not just women. And you know yourself, if you've been on construction sites, not they're not always the most welcoming place for people, especially anybody who's different. And by different, I mean a white person and a white guy. Call it what it is. Sure. So my opinion of the whole thing is, is people want to bring more women, more people of color, new Canadians. We have lots of people that are available and looking for work, but the construction industry isn't always a place that they want to work because the environment can be so, so toxic. I've seen it myself. I can tell stories that are just terrible, some of the stuff that's been said over the years. So I think what's really going to happen here, Keith, is Companies really have to look at what's going on in their business. Yes. What's going on on their job site? Do they have graffiti on the walls? Are people wearing hard hat stickers that are racist, sexist, unwelcoming? We all deserve to go to work. I always say eat our crappy ham sandwich and, you know, get our paycheck on Friday and go home. Yes. So if companies want to retain employees, I really think it's going to be up to them to make the shift to acceptable and respectful workplaces. And when that happens, guys and gals are going to say, hey, I really want to do this job. I want to work there. And that construction companies and construction sites become a place where people feel comfortable, they feel safe, and they feel valued. I agree 100%. It starts with leadership, and leadership sets the tone. Absolutely, 100%. And I mean, I've worked at, I've worked at the crappiest companies and I've worked at companies that were so amazing, like that the piece of graffiti went up on the wall and five minutes later, somebody painted over it and there was a huge toolbox talk that said, if you put graffiti on the walls, you will be fired immediately. I love that company. It changes the culture and it changes the environment. And it's very, very easy fixes. I think that's the other thing. Companies think they've got to overhaul all this different stuff. They really don't. It's very few things that need to happen, but it needs to be respectful and acceptable workplaces. I agree. No, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, we're living in a day and time where there's a lot of exposure. If you're going to do that type of behavior, you're going to get exposed. It's a lot harder to hide these things now. So it's hard to have the excuse, I didn't know. Well, you did know. It's just whether it's, it's about taking action. I agree with you. If they're going to fire somebody, that's going to change behavior. Absolutely. I see that you have a Facebook page. You're on LinkedIn. You use social media for your business. How are you using social media for your business? It's really interesting that you ask that question because My partner is not into social media. He does not like Facebook at all. When I started my business, I'd say, oh, I don't have a whole lot of work next week. And I would go on my Facebook page and I'd say, hey, I've got next Thursday open. Who needs thermostat changed, a new heater put in, or did you want to get a new light fixture? And he would be completely blown away. 
at the results that I would get. Within 15 minutes, I would have work lined up for the full day. And he'd be like, how do you do that? And I said, well, everybody's on social media. A lot of people are. And especially if you've got a really good following. One of the reasons that my business was so successful is because I was a woman in trade and women like to support other women. Women also want other women to come into their house and do the work. They like that. And I tell young women all the time, if they're considering a trade, that they should really consider if they want to do residential work. Uh, Women make 75% of the choices when it comes to home renovations. If you can get the ladies on board, your business is golden. And, you know, I never really advertised for my business. I just had a, a Facebook page and I was always busy. I used LinkedIn more for my advocacy work, and that's how you and I met. So that's much more of a business style. And I just find that if I'm able to post things on LinkedIn that are interesting, that are about women succeeding, that are about accessible and respectful workplaces, I'm attracting people that have the same thoughts as I do. And being now on the board of directors of the Canadian Apprenticeship Forum, I'm going to have an avenue there to be able to talk to people that can influence government policy. And I think that's so important for me to be at that table to say, hey, what else can we do for women in trade? I think just the fact that you mentioned the fact that women make 75% of household decisions, they're also more comfortable having another woman coming into their home is a huge advantage. And I think that I'm sure you're sharing that message with women who are going into the trades, and that is a huge benefit for them down the road if they decide to do their own business. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me, how do you know that you found a good electrician? Is it their interpersonal skills with how they deal with people? Is it how fix, how quick they fix a problem? How do you evaluate somebody yeah. and say, this is a good electrician? So I think there's a couple of ways, and it really depends on what kind of electrical work they're doing. If they're doing residential work and you're working with customers, obviously you have to have really good customer service skills. You also have to have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. When you're doing residential work, there's a lot of troubleshooting because somebody is saying, this is not working. I need you to fix it. And what's happening then is you're following someone else's work. So with electrical, there's so many different ways to wire up things. It's really important to have a clear head and be able to troubleshoot. If someone was looking for an electrician like that, I would always ask for recommendations, especially if it's a really big job, if you're looking for someone to wire, say, a renovation on your house or something like that, I would ask for recommendations, and then I would call the recommendations and make sure or pop out and see the customer's work. Again, if that was a big, huge job, obviously, if they're just switching out a heater, I'd still ask for a recommendation. And then when it came to like commercial work where you're not working with the public as much, your interpersonal skills don't have to be that great, your customer service skills, because really you're only dealing with the people that you're working with. I think a good electrician is just someone who knows their trade and knows when they need to ask for help, really. You know, as I said earlier, I've been at this 15 years. I still call my mentors and, you know, make sure I'm doing things the right way. I think knowing that part, not having an ego where you think you know it all, that you're the type of person who says, gosh, I'm kind of stumped on that. Who can I call? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Continuous learning. 
Absolutely. You will never know it all, especially with electrical. You will never know it all. Technology changes so fast. My gosh. Even the younger tradespeople now that are in their 20s. I mean, they're working with LED lights. It's a whole new world. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Are you guys hiring now? Or do you know of anybody who's hiring? Uh, I just want to know if you if you are. Yeah. So right, right now in Newfoundland Labrador, we are in a little bit of a slump, uh, if you will. And as you know, construction is always cyclical. It kind of goes up and down. And uh, right now, we don't have any large projects on the go uh, within our province. And there are still some smaller companies that are hiring. And through the Office to Advanced Women Apprentices, we're also able to help women find uh, opportunities within the construction trade. And then the offices actually has offices in several other provinces. So we have Office to Advanced Women Apprentices in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, and Saskatchewan. So in those offices, again, they're always creating opportunities for women to go to work in skilled trade. The rest of Canada, we've got some provinces that are really in boom right now. Saskatchewan's in a boom. BC's got some really big projects on the go. Ontario is always fairly steady because it's a fairly big province. Yes. Newfoundland, a lot of our tradespeople have always traveled for work, so it's not really new to us. Alberta's on a little bit of a slide because the oil industry is down. I think all in all, we're pretty steady. And I think what will happen again over the next couple of years is as the older people are retiring, we're just going to see that people are crying for tradespeople. I bet. Companies are just crying for them. Yeah. Excellent. Finally, do you have any advice you'd give to someone considering a career as an electrician or in the skilled trades? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Uh, go for it. <laughs> uh, if you like uh, to troubleshoot, if you like to figure things out, I mean, electrical has so many different things you can work on. You can work in a nuclear plant. You can work, you know, building houses. Uh, the sky's the limit. There's a lot of new green energy things happening with electrical. So if you're a person who's really interested in the environment, there's lots of opportunities going to be coming up in that area. I think for young people that are looking for a career, um, you know, in the past, people never really understood how much money uh, you can make working in the construction trade. And I know for myself personally, it's made me financially independent. I mean, I have lots of guy friends who are in the same boat, you know, we're in our 50s, everything's paid off. We're really fortunate that way. Obviously, really good with our money, too. But, yes. you know, when we talk about construction trades, there's the uh, Guys, the limit, really. It really is. Excellent. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for your time. You have a wonderful afternoon. I appreciate you being on the Skill Stadium podcast. It's my absolute pleasure. And check out Joanne Greeley Electric and also check out the office to advance women apprentices.ca. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.